Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Scan the QR code to visit our website at AULC.us and find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and TalkShoe. The following presentation is from a new series from Dr. Rob White called Blast from the Past. In this series, Dr. Rob will feature past sermons that were recorded live. We hope you enjoy this new series. We'll go right on into the the sermon. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, we want to hear more from you. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you have to tell us. Even though your words were written more than 2,000 years ago, they're still relevant today to our lives. And we want to see what we can do, what your word can tell us, what your instructions will help us with. And just be with us as we open your word today. And again, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds. And let those that have ears hear, as your scriptures say. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Our gospel text comes from Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. He also said in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces and front seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and they say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher punishment. Sending across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put more in than all of those giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she gave out of her poverty has, and has put everything that she possessed, all that she had to live on. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now, some of you may have heard the story of the giving tree. It's a story about an apple tree that loved a little boy very much. And in the beginning, this little boy spent a lot of time playing in this tree and around this tree. And as the boy got older, he spent less and less time with the tree. But when he did come to visit, he would talk to the tree about things that he wanted. First, he wanted money. Then he wanted to build a house. And then he wanted to build a boat so that he could sail away. Each time the tree gave him what he wanted. First it gave him its apples so he could sell them and raise money. He gave its branches so that he could build a house. And finally he gave its trunk 
so that he could build a boat. Giving made this tree happy. Finally, the tree, which is now just an old stump, had nothing else to give. It had given everything that it had. And by this time, the boy had become an old man and he rested on this tree's stump. Now the story here of the giving tree may help us to understand today's lesson and about how people will give what they have to help other people. In the Bible story today, rich people was going into the, the synagogue and they was putting lots and lots of money into the offering plate. And Jesus saw this poor widow and all she had was a couple of small coins to give. And he tells in uh, verse 44 today that this poor widow gave all that, that, that she had more than what those was giving into the treasury large sums because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty and it was what she had to live on. For some, the story of the giving tree may be a sad story, but it's also a story about how love causes us to give to others sometimes everything that we have. Now, our gospel lesson today is composed of two parts. In the first part, Jesus is warning the disciples about the scribes. They would walk along the streets in these long flowing robes and they'd be brightly colored and they would have jewels on them and it was very expensive. It wouldn't be something you would wear to go work in the garden in. These garments were suited just to show. They was not suited to do any physical labor. And the robes made it obvious to people looking on that these were important people. These scribes also enjoyed going into the marketplace because people would greet them with sir or ma'am and they would treat them with reverence and importance. Now it's always nice to, to be greeted that way or to have someone hold the door for you and make you feel a little important. But these scribes, they did it everywhere they went. They loved going into the restaurants or the theaters and everywhere they went, they wanted the best seats in the house not the best seats so they could be right up front to where they could be waited on first or they could see the show or whatever. They wanted the best seats where they could be shown to people. People would see them immediately. Jesus said that these same holy men would devour widows' houses and they made this pretense for their long drawn out prayers that they would do. Now I don't know how they could devour a widow's house but Jesus goes on to explain that the scribes were supposed to help people. Widows in that society was very vulnerable because it was a, a patriarchal society ran by men. And sometimes the scribes would give financial advice after a, a woman was widowed because they didn't own anything. They couldn't own property. They didn't have their own money and their own stuff. If they didn't have a man in the house, then they could lose everything. So the eldest son would usually take over and would become the man of the house. Now, the scribes would sometimes be tempted to treat somebody selfishly, especially if this widow had some money. They could charge her certain fees or whatever for helping out. Now, these are temptations no matter where you go, whatever age it is, because who doesn't like the red carpet treatment? When you walk into a place, you like to be greeted and 
respected and like that, who doesn't enjoy wearing really nice clothes? Who doesn't enjoy finding a mint on your pillow when you go to a fancy hotel or something? Who doesn't enjoy being addressed by some honorific title? All these can be innocent, but they can also be corrosive depending on how it affects one's relationship. Now, like I said, widows were especially vulnerable in this patriarchal society because the scribes would become both a financial advisor but also a lawyer. They would also be a theologian. So they could easily tell this widow, well, now the scriptures say that you have to do it this way. And the widow would have to believe them because they didn't have Bibles back then. They didn't have something they could read. Most people couldn't read. In order to get your scriptures and your biblical teaching, you went to the synagogue and you would listen to these scribes and the other teachers. Now, the scribes weren't permitted to charge anything, but they could solicit donations from these widows and these people they were helping. And what they would do, they said, well, we'll say a prayer for you. And they would say this long, drawn-out prayer. And the longer the prayer, the more they felt the donation was worth. Now, Josephus, he's a, a Greek historian, he reported in his history books that the shocking behavior on behalf of some of these religious leaders, some of them would actually send their henchmen out to extort money out of these widows and these other priests that wasn't doing stuff that they thought they should be doing. He also reports that in 66 AD, just a few years before or after the temple was burned, they actually burned down a high priest house so they could destroy records of debt that this priest had so he could no longer say that he was extorting these people. Jesus concludes that these unholy men would receive a greater condemnation. In other places, Jesus talks about people who would burn in a furnace of fire, a place where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in our story today, he talks about the greater condemnation. Without spelling out the details, he's clearly talking and it's something really bad. It's always tempting to say something like, oh, those terrible scribes, what are they doing? But people are pretty much the same today as they were 2,000 years ago. We face the exact same temptations today that they faced back then. And we are subject to the same, sub, uh, the same punishment and all that they were too. We still like to sit where people can see us, especially if we feel we're important. We like to sit in a seat of honor. Clergy are tempted to ask for too much, but give too little. And for those who take advantage of vulnerable people, Jesus says they will receive the greater condemnation. And the same is true of others who occupy responsible positions like physicians and teachers and political leaders and business leaders. And many such people will serve unselfishly. So I say God bless them. But others spend more time figuring out how they can advance their own interest than the interest of whom they're supposed to serve. Jesus says they will receive the greater condemnation. Now you don't have to be rich and famous in order to hurt vulnerable people. A bookkeeper who embezzles has a potential of ruining not only that employer, but the employees they work with. 
people who falsely accuse others or abuse or use racism to destroy people's lives. People, people like that, Jesus says, will receive their greater condemnation. Now, let me be clear. I believe that most clergy serve honorably. I believe that most physicians and teachers and business leaders also serve honorably. But most people, they do try to do the right thing. But there's always a few bad apples, aren't there? Jesus says those bad apples will receive the greater condemnation. Now these sins were probably beginning to emerge in the church about Mark's time when he wrote this gospel. Some church leaders are always more concerned with personal privilege than they are with faithful service. I had a, a pastor tell me one time that his goal was to be the richest pastor ever. I thought, well, you're in the wrong profession. <laughs> you don't get rich being behind the pulpit unless you're some TV leader or, you know, uh, evangelist or something. And they do, but they do it all the wrong way, I think. Christians are always caught on the horns of a dilemma. When do beautiful buildings and expensive vestments stop glorifying God and start glorifying the clergy and the congregation? It's not a matter that can be judged by the cost of the buildings or the investments. But there's a secret hidden within our hearts. God knows our hearts. He knows our real reason for being behind the pulpit. In considering the preaching possibilities of our text today, we need to remember that stewardship over the lives of vulnerable people is a big issue. Not only for synagogues and churches, but it's an issue for everyone. Business executives are tempted to treat customers and employees as cogs in a wheel of a money-making machine. Government officials are tempted to sell policy and privilege for campaign contributions or maybe personal favors. Military leaders are tempted to put personal promotions above the welfare of their subordinates. Teachers are tempted to put salaries and work conditions above students. Mechanics are tempted to recommend unneeded repairs. Talking to a friend of mine the other day, took his car in, it was just a real simple thing, but when he walked out, he had all these extra add-on things that was put on his bill, and he didn't feel it was right. But he wasn't going to tell somebody that. He could complain about it privately, but he wasn't gonna to try to make it right. I've had mechanics try to pull that on me, but I'm going, no, I'm going with the one thing fixed. Everything else can wait. It's not necessary to be rich or powerful to victimize vulnerable people. It's not only people at the bottom that are vulnerable. An embezzler victimizes his or her employer, a person who falsely accuses a supervisor of discrimination or sexual harassment. They themselves become the harasser. And in those situations, the employer or the supervisor can be vulnerable. They can be ruined, just like the widow would be vulnerable. It's possible for nearly any of us to injure a vulnerable person. And those who do, Jesus says, these will receive the greater condemnation. Now, Jesus and his disciples, they sat down in the synagogue this one day, and they watched the people coming in. When you walked into the synagogue, they had these metal receptacles that they, they called their treasury. You put your offering in. They didn't have offering baskets like what we use today. 
And when they would drop small coins in, it'd make a little clink. When they drop large denomination coins in, it'd make a clunk. And so people could listen to the clinks and the clunks and be able to tell who was putting in more money. And sometimes these rich people would come in and they knew they could toss their coins in a certain way and it would make a really loud clunk so people would think they're putting in lots and lots of money. And they were, but they was making people notice it. So Jesus, he's watching this, and he's, he's seeing these rich people coming and going and putting in these, these big clunks and all. And you got to remember, back then, money was made out of silver and gold and brass and other metals. The temple would collect their offerings this way as you walked in. And this clunking and clinking became part of the temple ritual. Now, when a poor person was getting ready to put in their, no their coin, they would want to make as much noise as possible, especially if they was putting in just a little bit. Because sometimes if they had a lot of little coins, they might dump them in and it would sound like fireworks going off. And someone would say, boy, he's putting in a lot of money. You know, and it may have only added up to a few cents, but it sounded great. People who might not donate out of spirit generosity were noticed by other people because they was making the bigger clunks. The receptacle set in plain view and you could see everyone coming in, but you couldn't see what they was putting in, but you could hear what they're putting in. And so Jesus is watching this. And if they had had paper money and checks like we have today, it wouldn't have made a lot of sound, would it? And so today, you know, people put stuff in the offering. They've got to think of different ways for people to notice them. But the temptation remains the same today. Jesus warns that such donors have already received their reward. Now, of course, anyone doing these things was making their offerings to God and to the glory of God. They'd be making their offerings, the ones that was putting in the big clunks, to the glory of themselves. They were saying, hey, look at me, clunk, clunk, clunk. I just put in a bunch of money. Now, so watch me. In that grand setting, Jesus sees this poor widow come in and everyone's doing their little clinking and clunking and all. Then all of a sudden she has a couple of little clinks and it doesn't hardly make a noise. And it didn't amount to much, but to her it was everything. It was the last money she had. Her pocketbook was empty, but her heart was full. She gave everything she had to God that day. And we need to be careful not to underestimate the value of her coins, because some translations call them pennies, and we know pennies today are kind of worthless, and not too many people will bend over and pick up a penny anymore. But this woman's coins were in the original Greek, lepta kodantes, and a laborer might get 10 of these coins in a day for a day's work. And it'd be enough to buy maybe some flour or a small meal. For this widow, this was a real sacrifice because this is the last two coins she had. And that meant giving to God or having bread on her table. And she made the decision she was going to give it to God and knew that God would take care of her. 
Jesus told the disciples that this widow's little clink clink offering amounted to more than all the big clunk clunk offerings that the rich people were putting in because they were giving a portion of what they had usually off of the top or out of their profits or whatever this little 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 woman gave everything she had in other words Jesus didn't count the generosity of the gift of these rich people but what was left over after he gave to God this is what he was counting that day we have to be careful here because note that Jesus didn't point to the widow and go hey everyone hey do like she did give everything he didn't say that in this case he didn't point out the widow Jesus doesn't require all of his disciples to empty their bank accounts just to follow him to make an offering to God although he does call some people to do extraordinary service and sacrifices and we can't draw the conclusion that our gift doesn't count if we have something left at the end meaning that when you put something in the offering plate and you still got money left over it doesn't mean that you didn't do good you did all right what Jesus was really doing was contrasting the self-serving scribes against this unselfish widow here some of the scribes were enjoying the perks of their office they were religious leaders people deferred to them they made some of the big decisions the scribes enjoyed all the attention they watched people bow and scrape and all this in their presence and they loved it they enjoyed sitting in the best seats where people could see just how important they were the widow, by contrast made only a humble offering in a humble manner she didn't make a lot of noise when those two little coins hit and they clanked but her heart was bent on God's glory wasn't bent on her own and whether or not this story affirms or condemns us is not determined by the amount of our offerings instead it's determined by the state of our hearts are we being self-serving or like the widow God serving and that's what makes the difference whether we're self-serving or we are God serving Maxwell Anderson wrote a play called journey to Jerusalem about the coming of Jesus and two men were talking to each other about Jesus coming and one of them said suppose Jesus is planted like an acorn in a jar which grows and spreads its roots and must become a tree if he's to live and then suppose that the pottery that hems in him in must be shattered when his swelling roots reach out to the earth in other words what if Jesus was to require a real sacrifice from us what if Jesus must allow us to suffer so that his kingdom can grow just like a gardener might have to shatter a clay pot in order to allow a plant to grow and then ask yourself what if we are that clay pot his friend replied we cannot let self-interest affect us in such a manner who values the clay pot if by its breaking this eternal oak is set in our soil to flourish forever but the first man replied I value my clay pot in other words I don't want to be broken I'm not prepared to decrease so that Jesus might increase I'm not willing to allow Jesus to take control of my life I like things the way they are right now I value my clay pot we all value our clay pots don't we 
We don't want to make real sacrifices. We like life kind of the way it is now. But I see lots of people in this congregation and others that value Jesus more than they value their clay pots. Those people are the backbone of our church. People like them are the backbone of the worldwide church. And yes, there are pretentious people in church looking out for their own self-interest. And yes, there are hypocrites in the church. Yes, there are sinners in the church. The Apostle Paul said that we were all sinners in Rome 3.23. But thank God there are many servant Christians in the church and other people like this widow that Jesus recommended and commended. William Booth was a Methodist preacher who founded the Salvation Army a century and a half ago. Salvation Army is not the first and foremost. It's not a service agency. The Salvation Army, first and foremost, is a church. I don't know if you knew that or not. But as an outgrowth of their faith in Christ, Booth and his colleagues began opening up soup kitchens to feed the hungry. They established homes for the homeless. They established halfway houses for prisoners. And over the years, the Salvation Army expanded until it became one of the largest distributors of humanitarian aid. Try it again. Humanitarian aid, there we go, in the world. Someone once asked Booth to explain the success of the Salvation Army. And he says, I'll tell you a secret. God has had all there was of me. On the day... I caught a vision of what Christ Jesus could do with the poor of London. I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there was. Now in chapter 9 of Mark, the disciples argued amongst themselves who was the greatest and who was the least. In chapter 10, James and John requested positions of greatness at the left hand and the right hand of Christ when he got his kingdom. And in chapter 12, Jesus shows them the true meaning of greatness. This widow was the greatest in their midst. This is not an example story in the sense that Jesus tells us and go do likewise what the widow did. He does not demand that we drop every last penny in the offering tray. However, we should clearly listen to ascertain Christ's specific call to us as it's regard to stewardship. Christ expects us to put God first, not last. A tithe is the clearest biblical standard for stewardship, and God calls particular people to give a little bit more. But most importantly, we're to give our giving and our tithing quietly, without any fanfare. While Jesus does not say that people will remember this widow forever, Her story is still being told all across the world today, more than 2,000 years later. Her two small coins show that the humblest and the poorest can make a worthy offering to God. Her example will bless people until the end of time. Now, we all can't be like the widow, giving God our last coins. We can't be like the wealthy people who give billions of dollars to charitable foundations. But we can be like Booth, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, and like this widow. We can make up our minds that God will have all of us that there is to have. And when you do that, stand back and see what happens, because it's bound to surprise you and to bring you to your knees when you let God have all there is of you. 
It's likely to bring tears to your eyes. When you realize what God can do with you, when you let God have all there is of you, and it's certain to bless you and to bless others as well, because when you let God have all there is of you, then you're being God-serving. That's our Lord's message for this Lord's Day, and I hope that you got a blessing out of it. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your words. Always words of wisdom. Always something to help us out. We just ask, Lord, as we return to our lives today and go back home or go visit friends or go out to eat, whatever it is that we do, that we always remember to put you first and that we need to be humble like the widow woman and just always remember that. We thank you for the words of wisdom today, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to gather in your name. We just ask that you'll be with us each and every time we get together and that you'll help us to stay healthy and wise. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. Go out this week. Be a blessing and be blessed because the more you're a blessing, the more you will be blessed. Thank you all for coming. And we'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Athens Universal Life Church is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. This production is an AULC Studios video production. Copyright 2012-2023. All rights reserved. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.